0: Good evening, it's good to see each one of you here tonight. If you would stand please, let's turn to page 634. Page number 634 as we begin tonight.
1: On Jordan's stormy banks, we'll sing all four verses together as we begin. Sing it out on that first verse. On Jordan's stormy banks I stand and cast a wishful eye To Canaan's fair and happy land where my possessions lie I am bound for the promised land I am bound for the promised land Oh, who will come and go with me I am bound for the promised land All o'er those wide-extended Plain shines one eternal day there God the sun forever reigns and scatters night away I am bound for the promised land I am bound for the promised land Oh who will come and go with me I am bound for the promised land No chilling winds nor poisonous breath can reach that helpful shore. Sickness and sorrow, pain and death are felt and feared no more. I am bound for the promised land. I am bound for the promised land. Oh, who will come and go with I am bound for the promised land When shall I reach that happy place And be forever blessed When shall I see my Father's face And in His bosom rest I am bound for the promised land I am bound for the promised land Oh, who will come and go with me? I am bound for the promised land. Amen. Well, it is good to be in the Lord's house tonight. Amen. And
0: uh, in our oasis in the desert, as we call it. And uh, tonight, I'm not sure how much of a desert it is outside, but uh, it is cold for sure. Uh, so I guess it can be a winter desert. But anyway, we are glad you're here tonight. i ask Brother Rich Raymer, if you would, open us in prayer tonight, please. You may be seated tonight. It's good to see many of those that have been sick back and uh, we need to be in prayer for some that are sick now and uh, I'm a little nasally tonight if you can't tell and stuff's going around and be much in prayer for our pastor as he is out sick tonight. Of course obvious that he is not here and uh, so be in prayer for him. sure miss him being here tonight and uh but good to see Brother Quinlan back and Brother Parker back. Good to have Brother Don back tonight, and his back is doing better. And, and uh, so, so many others that are um, around tonight. Good to see each one of you here. I did want to make a few announcements as we begin tonight, uh, just some things that are coming up on the calendar. And so be uh, aware of these things. First of all, the couples retreat, if you signed up for that, uh, make sure that uh, you're aware that's the 3rd and 4th of February at the Doubletree Hotel, all right? And uh, we're looking forward to having a good, uh, good time there at the couples retreat. Make sure that you get your money paid for um, before the retreat takes place, okay, on the 3rd and 4th of February, just coming up here in another couple of weeks. Um, also, uh, if you have students in Faith Baptist School, there's some games in the month of February you need to be aware of. Uh, February the 7th, um, we will have games here at 6 o'clock at night here at, the, at uh, our church, and then... Um, On the 21st of February, we'll have some ball games that are going to be over at Heritage there in Lawrence. Um, Both those games start at 6 p.m., so make sure you're aware of that. The teens have a youth rally coming up in El Dorado, Kansas on February the 10th, so if you have uh, teens in the youth group, make sure that you are aware of that. On February the 12th and then February the 19th, pastor's going to be out of town those uh, couple of Sundays there, and so we've got a couple of guest preachers that are going to be here. Brother Rocky Harrell. He's um, uh, been a faithful, long-time uh, servant there at Heartland Baptist Bible College um, and a former pastor himself. He'll be preaching here on the 12th, all right? So make sure that you're aware of that and look forward to having him here. He was one of my professors in college, and he is still a professor down in college there. And so just doing a great job of teaching Baptist history and some other things there at the school. And then on the 19th, uh, Brother Ben Quinlan will be here preaching uh, on, the, on the 19th, of course, out of our church. And we're looking forward to having him uh, here as well. I know he'll do a great job. Um, make sure that you are aware of on, on the 18th of February is our church, next churchwide outreach. All right, so 10 30 in the morning, plan on being here on the 18th of February. We'd love to have a good group out for that. Amen. Going out and knocking some doors and uh, visiting some people and praying for good weather. All right, so we can actually have outreach. That would be a blessing. Uh, in the month of February, you never know what's going to happen. Uh, so hopefully we'll be able to do that. On the 20th of February, Uh, President's Day will be no school, all right? So make sure you're aware of that if you have students in faith after school that will take that day off in observance of that. And then on February the 25th, uh, men, that's our bacon and bullets activity, all right? And uh, we're not sure yet the venue we're going to be at. Uh, We're not sure what's going to be happening in the fellowship hall or where we might be, but we are going to have the activity, okay? Uh, So be uh, planning to be here for that on February, Saturday, February the 25th. February the 28th, ladies, you have a ladies' meeting. So as you can see, there's not much going on in the month of February. That was a joke, all right? Uh, There's a lot going on in the month of February. So make sure that uh, you are looking at your calendars and have these things marked down. Be checking your bulletin uh, as well if you forget what times or things like that. That should all be in there. Well, let's go ahead and get on our prayer list tonight. And uh, as already mentioned, we need to be in continued prayer for the sickness that's going around. um, That... It would stop. It is that time of the year, but it seems like it's been that time of the year for a while uh, around uh, these parts. But uh, uh, certainly be in prayer for Pastor Stewart as he is out not feeling well. And I'm going to have Brother Tim Quinlan preaching for us tonight. That'll be a real blessing, I know, but uh, we're going to be missing Pastor, of course. And uh, those that uh, I'm looking around here, I know I saw Mrs. Waters back tonight. Um, That was a blessing to see her too. And Let's see, Mrs. Shane, you're here. Is your husband doing any better or... He is better? Okay, good, good. So just a lot of uh, healing going on, um, but some that are, are now sick we need to be praying for. Continue to pray for uh, Ms. Carolyn Moore there, top of the prayer list. Um, I know uh, my mom went and visited her yesterday and had a real good visit with her. I know that, but uh, continue to keep her in your prayers. Brother Will Kennedy is about halfway down on the left. He had a good report. Uh, talked to him uh, yesterday and then again tonight, of course. I had a good report uh, from the doctors. He's able to have his hernia surgery. Um, But that will be on March, or I'm sorry, February the 10th, I almost said March, he doesn't want to go that long, he wants to do it yesterday, so don't want to push it off, but February the 10th, all right, so uh, be in prayer uh, for that, I know he would greatly appreciate that as well, Uh, continue to be in prayer for the Brother Gary Clark family and and the bereavement there, the loss of uh, his wife, and also uh, the Bryce Herman family. one of, uh, one of Bryce's, uh, well, both of Bryce's sisters go to school here, and uh, one of them was talking to me yesterday about how he's going to be able to come home soon. And uh, if you know that story there, there's some issues that have gone on, and, um, but Bryce is doing better, and they're excited about him being able to come home and, uh, for some time. So um, be in prayer, continue prayer for that. As well as there um, on that second page, the fellowship hall. And the gymnasium, uh, still waiting to hear from insurance on that, but be in prayer for that and what's going to go on there, that the Lord would uh, guide us in the right direction with that. And then I uh, was able to get uh, talk to uh, the guys here tonight, and it looks like we're going to be calling for our first inspection on the house tomorrow, all right, for the missions house over there. It's a big deal, all right? So if you would be in prayer for that, that would be a real blessing, um, that everything would go good on Friday, all right? It's a big deal that all that goes well. If everything goes well there, we'll be hanging drywall next week. And that's a huge step. So uh, be in prayer for that, um, that everything would go good on Friday and that we'll get a nice inspector, okay? Uh, If you've ever had to deal with inspectors, you know how that can go or not go. So be in prayer for that. Anything else we can add to the prayer list tonight? Brother Parker. (laughs) Yes, this Friday. Yes. Now, do they have that today? Yeah, exactly you've got to love government and, the, and the, the way they do things it's yeah okay so yes definitely be in prayer for brother jack and miss lizzie as they'll be going out on their survey trip to japan lord willing even friday that's when they're scheduled to leave um, so if you didn't hear that uh, they, they had to take covid test today you can't take it more than three days from when they're going to leave but it doesn't come back for three days am i right on that and so they're going to probably be taking another test tomorrow to try and get back in time so they can actually get on the plane and go. So be in prayer for that, all right? And uh, Lord willing, we'll uh, see them leave on time and be safe on their travels and have a good trip there and come back with a good report and get some things kind of figured out what they're going to be doing. That will be a blessing. So be in prayer for them. Anyone else tonight? Yes, Brother Carr. Yes. The Kratz there. All right. Yes, definitely be in prayer for the Carr family as they will be traveling, leaving out next Wednesday for Papua New Guinea. And uh, so we're going to spend some time there with the Kratz there. So be in prayer for them as they travel. And we hope you have a great trip. And uh, I've been teasing them for a while. We're kicking them out of the country for a month. we as a joke, but... uh, Uh, Anyway, but be in prayer for them. Anyone else tonight? Brother Colton, yes. Okay, at Menorah, correct? Okay, so Brother Colton has his EEG test tomorrow um, at Menorah. So be in prayer for that, that he'll get some good results from that and figure out kind of what's going on. So far, all the results have been negative, but they still don't know what's going on. So, you know, you know how that can be. <laughs> Good, but nerve-wracking, too, because you still want to know what's going on. So, anyone else tonight? Okay, let's go ahead and have our men come tonight and uh, certainly be in prayer for all these things. Much to be in prayer about. And uh, thankful that we can pray to the one who answers prayer. Amen. We have a Lord that answers our prayers and cares about our every need, and that's a blessing. I'm going to ask Brother Will Kennedy, would you pray for the, the tithes and offerings tonight as well as these prayer requests, please? Well, i ask you to stand with me one last time, please. Let's turn to page 653. Page 653, we'll sing the first, second, and last verse, I Feel Like Traveling On, page
1: 653. <clears throat> sing it out with me on that first verse. My heavenly home is bright and fair. I feel like traveling on. Nor pain nor death can enter there. I feel like traveling on. Yes, I feel like traveling on. I feel like traveling on. My heavenly home is bright and fair. I feel like traveling on. Its glittering towers the sun outshines. I feel like traveling on That heavenly mansion shall be mine I feel like traveling on Yes, I feel like traveling on I feel like traveling on My heavenly home is bright and fair I feel like traveling on the lord has been so good to me i feel like traveling on until that blessed home i see i feel like traveling on yes i feel like traveling on i feel like traveling on my heavenly home is bright and fair I feel like traveling on.
0: Amen. Great singing tonight. Please remain standing. Go ahead and get your Bibles out and get ready for the message tonight.
2: All right. We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter four. Four. Starting chapter four. <clears throat> you know, it's it is continually no matter how often it happens it's just continually amazing to me how the lord works these things out I, you know i am not the kind of preacher who is weeks ahead in my study or anything like that you know I, I as i'm going through a book like this i'm to a certain extent you know as i'm reading through the book multiple times you know i uh, from the very beginning you start identifying passages you're going to have to uh, deal with, or it might be a little more difficult to study out, and things like that, and getting an idea of kind of the overall context of the book, but I'm not one of these guys. I, I, there are some guys I went to school with who are a month or two ahead, they got the whole year planned out, they know they're going to be in this series and this series, and they've already got the whole book, you know, divided into into sections that they're going to preach on and all that kind of stuff, and I'm just, that's just not me, I, I, I'm not into that, I just, I, I can't really do that. But at the same time, you know, I don't want to be the day of trying to figure out what we're going to preach and and going from there. but uh, it was just here uh, last week. you know usually i'm I'm just in the several days leading up to a time I'm supposed to preach. I usually have you know several weeks' notice, maybe a few months' notice and and so uh, just kind of preparing for that and starting to get it together and all those kinds of things and. And last week, I'm, I'm supposed to preach uh, in February when Pastor's gone at the uh, GIBM meeting or GIBF meeting, and so uh, I'm, you know, was kind of already in thinking about that, and, and decided I'd just take a few minutes last week to spend some time, kind of, you know, looking at the 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 next section here and deciding what needed, you know, what kind of passage needs to be uh, 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 preached on, how, you know, the length of the passage, that kind of thing, and so I had already done some of the. The legwork on it and started putting it together a little bit, and, and which is just really uh, out of character for me because I'm never that far ahead. And uh, as soon as Pastor texted me yesterday, and he said, you know, I'm just not feeling well, you you may be you may need to be uh, be prepared to to preach to, tomorrow night if, if I'm not going to be able to do it. And it's just like the Lord said, that is why I had you, you know, do that. And so I'm, I already kind of knew the passage, uh, the, the length of the passage and had the general idea and a little bit of the outlining done. And so uh, then, you know, yesterday evening and then again a little bit this afternoon, I was able to kind of put it all together. And I'm just so thankful that the Lord works that way. When, when I had no idea and, and certainly even at the time last week, Pastor was not expecting to not be here tonight. Um, But the Lord works these things out, and I'm so thankful for that. I'm certainly thankful for every opportunity I get to preach, and uh, so let's deal with 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1. For as much then, now this has to do with the previous passage which we talked about just a couple weeks ago, for as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. I love that phrase right there. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men, but to the will of God. For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lusts, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries wherein they think it strange that ye run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you. Who, that would be they who are speaking evil of you, shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead. Probably don't need to think too hard about who it is that is ready to judge the quick and the dead. Verse 6 will be the last verse this evening. For for this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the Spirit. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this this time we have together. Thank you for your word. I pray you'd uh, uh, have liberty tonight, that your spirit would work, that you'd help me to be clear and concise, and uh, above all, that you would be honored, that you'd be glorified. I pray your people would uh, listen and respond. I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Well, it hasn't been that long since the last time we were in 1 Peter, so I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on kind of review, but if you remember, we talked last time about Christ's suffering and death on the cross, and how He, through that process, conquered death, hell, and the grave. And it's so easy to get uh, sidetracked by all the minutia that has to do with that passage, and, and of course other passages Uh, Throughout the scriptures, and it's so easy to, to focus on what we kind of perceive as the good stuff and just kind of ignore or blow right on past the really important part, which is that Jesus Christ suffered the just for the unjust, that being you and I. And through that suffering, he gained or he conquered death, hell, and the grave. And today He stands triumphantly holding dominion over everything. Isn't that such a great picture? Although the world sees Christ's followers as weak and pathetic, if you remember we talked about that earlier in chapter 1, how that the world would see those who are trusting Christ, those who are following Christ as worthy of their pity or even their outward hostility, and yet Christ sees us, God sees us as... Central figures to his story. And you would expect Peter to just, getting into the next, chap, next chapter, that he would build on that picture. See all this dominion that we have through Christ. Keep the mem- momentum going from that glorious sight. And yet, he doesn't. If you look there in verse 1, he doesn't build on the dominion, he goes right back to the suffering that was talked about there in verse 17. And then verse 18. It says, "...for as much there in verse 1, then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind." And you might say, well, why does He turn right back to that suffering when He could just build right on the momentum of that glorious picture of conquest and dominion that Christ now holds power over everything... Well, we need to remember that that dominion doesn't negate our suffering on this earth. Even in the midst of suffering, we can realize, and here is my title, which is the main point I think we're going to get across this evening, we can realize that sin no longer has power over us. He says, arm yourselves likewise with the same power. Mind. That's such a great phrase. It, it kind of brings us back maybe uh, if you've done much studying. I know pastors preached before on Philippians chapter 2. And in verse 5 he says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. And that passage has to do with the humility of Christ. How that Christ humbled himself. His humility was, was so much that he not only humbled himself to take on the form of a man, though he was God and is God, but he humbled himself that he took the form of a man, and so far that he died on the cross. That was where his humility took him. That led him all the way to suffer that death on the cross as the punishment for our sins. And the same conclusion Peter draws here. It's a military metaphor. It, liter- it is, was literally a commonly used word having to do with getting ready, being prepared for battle, to take up arms. Just like Christ was willing to suffer all the way to death, that's what he expects of those who follow him. Now, if we were to stop there, we might be tempted to take this phrase to an extreme conclusion. And there are groups who have done this. I mean, you, you can find books on this. There are, are, are groups throughout uh, uh, the New Testament age that have done this to say that, that uh, of course, we've talked about this already, how that we, we get this idea that pain and suffering is just should be our lot in life and we should actively seek it out and we shouldn't have nice things. We shouldn't uh, uh, indulge in any comforts in this world. But we should, I mean, almost to the point where we militantly look for martyrdom. Oh, it's in—in in, if we're going to follow Christ's footsteps, then we need to make sure we partake of suffering and death like He did. But nowhere in this epistle does Peter suggest such. In fact, suffering in the Word of God is never outright praised. But, you might say, Brother Tim, you've been repeating this in every message so far in this book almost that, that uh, suffering is just a part of the Christian life, that persecution is going to happen. Uh, the, a theology of suffering is the term I've used even on occasion. But let me explain. The New Testament makes it abundantly clear that suffering and persecution are part and parcel to the Christian life. It won't look the same for every person, Uh, I I certainly have not dealt with the same level of suffering and persecution that many Christians have throughout the years. No one has ever put put a knife to me or or a gun to my head uh, and required that I denounce Christ or anything like that. Uh, No, the degrees of suffering are not going to be the same. The degree of persecution is not going to be the same, but persecution to some extent will be a part of the Christian life. You have a cross to take up, and Christ expects you to take it. However, the Word of God never praises suffering itself. You are not expected to suffer for suffering's sake. God has given us wonderful things in this life to enjoy. And so trying to live this austere, monastic lifestyle falls short of, of truly following Christ. Because, again, following Christ isn't about Necessarily the things you do, or or living necessarily one particular way. It has to do with simply saying, I'm going to follow Christ's leadership, wherever that may be. Do you know what is praised in the Bible? Suffering for doing good. Really, it's the doing good that's being praised. Uh, Suffering for living righteously. Suffering for following Christ. He goes on to say, For he that has suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin. And you might say, Ah, there it is, sinless perfection. Pastor just talked about that Sunday night, and here Peter is proving him wrong. No, that's not what Peter's saying. Uh, the scriptures also make it abundantly clear that no one on this earth has ever attained complete and perfect mastery over sin, short of Christ. Proverbs 29 says, Who can say, I have made my heart clean? I am pure from my sin. Of course, Pastor just recently talked about 1 John chapter 1. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Uh, when he says that this, uh, uh, he that has suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, he's talking about, and I think we'll see here, that making a clean break from sin. Uh, had, someone is saying, I am suffering for Christ, and I can do that because sin no longer has control over me. Uh, Sin no longer is Lord of my life. These people have made a conscious decision to break away from sin that it won't have the mastery of their lives anymore. Christ's suffering and death broke the chains of sin so that those who take up their crosses to follow Him are no longer bound by sin. Okay, well, if I make a clean break from sin, doesn't that mean that I could attain sinless perfection? Uh, couldn't I? I mean, it, pardon me, ceased from sin? Uh, i have making a clean break from sin. But the fact of the matter is, you are still bound by the curse on Adam and this sinful world. You are still in your flesh. And that clean break probably looks more like something that happens over and over again. Uh, No, it's not the salvation experience. We talked about already, even earlier in this this epistle, how that uh, they had trusted in Christ and they had been made pure and they were now under the shed blood of Jesus from henceforth and forever. But as long as we are in this flesh, we will fight sin Uh, we will have to deal with sin. And that clean break from sin probably is going to happen many times in your Christian life and in your walk. If you've truly committed to following Christ, we're not going to live in sin, but when sin crops its ugly head, we need to get it right with Him. But without... Christ's dominion over sin, you could never make it even once. Look there at verse 2. He says that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men, but to the will of God. And I think this primarily has to do with the fact that you are on this earth. Uh, Once you're saved, you're not just taken right up to heaven. You don't have to deal with this anymore. No, you're in the flesh You are a a fleshly mortal being, and as long as you are on this earth, you will be bound by your wicked flesh. But you don't have to live in subjection to it any longer. Uh, No matter how long your life may last, Christ expects you to live it in subjection to Him and free from sin's chains. You don't have to live the rest of your time in the flesh doing the things you used to do. Uh, You don't have to live the rest of your time in the flesh in defeat and misery because I just can't overcome this sin. Because you can overcome this sin through Christ. And if you say, well, I've tried and tried and tried and I just haven't been able to overcome it and I haven't been able to overcome it. Maybe stop trying yourself and start depending on Christ. Because through Christ you can overcome it, and the message of the, this world is that you can't change, and you're going to be the same uh, for the rest of your life. And, and psychologists and psychiatrists will say, "Well, you just are who you are, and nothing will really ever change that." And and uh, even you know the only thing that really is going to matter and changes is changes in environment or this or that or the other thing. And even those, I mean, you're just you really can't change all that much. Well, the fact of the matter is you can't change all that much, but Christ can change you. He desires to, and he wants you to live according to the will of God in this life. He says in verse 3, for the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in, and he gives a whole list of things we're going to deal with here in a minute. Now, when we look at that first phrase, for the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles, I don't think he's saying that, well, hopefully, maybe our previous sins would be enough to satisfy our natural bent towards sinning. That, that, well, you know, hopefully hopefully you've kind of gotten that out of your way. And, and of course, you, you've probably heard the phrase, some kid... Has uh, grown up in church or try, done right, been the good kid his whole life. And he says, I just need to get out and sow my wild oats and kind of satisfy that, that craving to, to get out there and, and uh, essentially do wrong and, and learn from my mistakes and all that. But that's not what Peter's saying. Rather, he's pretty bluntly saying, the sins that you used to live in, it's enough. It does suffice. Move on. That's what he's saying. Uh, That was all you could live for before you met Christ. But your former life ruled by sin is enough. In fact, it's kind of an underhanded enough in the uh, the sense that really it was too much. Because any sin is too much. You were ruled by the lusts of your flesh. We talked about that in chapter 1. You were bound by an inability to overcome sin, but not anymore. Christ defeated sin and now he has dominion over it. Therefore, through Christ, you have dominion over sin and you no longer have to live your life bound by it. We could put it this way. Let the past stay in the past. And he gets pretty specific, doesn't he? He says lasciviousness, uh, that would be Unbridled, unrestrained living, uh, especially in regards to sexual immorality and physical violence. Uh, just this life of going wherever the way, the, uh, whatever way the wind blows you, and just taking everything to the extreme and, and, and living just wild, however you wish. It says lusts. Those would be the sinful human desires. Uh, making your life's decisions solely under the influence of those strong passions. And someone might say, well, I'm just a very passionate person. And that's fine. That may very well be how God created created you. But you can learn to put that passion in subjection to Christ. uh, That, once again, you don't have to just go along with wherever your passions take you, but rather that as Christ leads... He can use that passion to his honor and his glory. Excess of wine. That would be drunkenness. Pastor just dealt with this in Ephesians 5.18, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess. Revelings, which really is what excess of wine leads to. Our team won the big game, everybody's drinking and cheering on their, their team or their guy, or, or he's the, he won, and we're, yay, we're all having a good old time here. And it looks really fun. The drunken revelers are having a grand old time. But that isn't being spirit-led. What about that lifestyle is truly honoring to Christ? Really filling up with that that stuff just pushes out the spirit. Uh, So the old drunk singing loudly in the street in the middle of the night as he heads home, it uh, might be played for laughs, but Peter says that's not how a follower of Christ should act. Banquetings, uh, these would be like drunken parties. Uh, just think of pretty much any party you've seen on a TV show or movie, and that pretty much fits the bill. It always looks fun, or you might say, well, I just socially drink, someone might argue. Uh, but alcohol really doesn't care whether it's consumed socially or not. It still enslaves. It still impairs. And Peter makes the case that the follower of Christ doesn't need it in their life anymore. Abominable idolatries. Uh, This is really what all the other ones culminate in. Uh, They all lead up to this. When we live as though our Creator can be ignored, we end up making something our God. Maybe many somethings. But notice he doesn't just settle for idolatries, although certainly idolatries are wrong. He, he qualifies it or, or, or ex, explains it by saying abominable idolatries. That literally means lawless acts of idol worship. And it's not just lawless in the sense of against God's law, for certainly all idolatry is against God's law. We don't have to preach that again tonight. That gets, that's been preached many times from this pulpit But he says abominable idolatries, having having in mind the acts associated with idol worship that even the civil government has outlawed. Uh, That would be all those things that they took part in back then and even today, although we try to couch it in better terms, uh, that that even somebody else that's not a follower of of Christ ultimately is going to look at it and go, whoa, that's a little too far, buddy. But really it just shows that sensual living and idol worship go hand in hand. And the demonic forces behind that idol worship only incite to greater sin. It's never enough. Sin will never suffice. It will never bring relief or peace. It always lusts for more. A little turns into a lot. A lot turns into an overwhelming flood. And if you've trusted in Christ, then you have no reason to be limited by that sin anymore. Look at verse 4. Wherein they think it's strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot. Have you ever had that conversation with someone? Uh, I'm sorry, I, I can't go with you to that place. I, I, don't, I, I don't go to places like that. What? You, don't, you won't go there? No, no. I, I don't drink anymore. I, that's, not, that's not good. As a follower of Christ, I shouldn't be doing that. I, I don't go to parties like that anymore. I, I can't watch that anymore. And you just get that, that look. You, you probably know what I'm talking about. Or maybe you'd say, well, I, I never really did that stuff to begin with. I grew up in church, and, and I you know, I've, haven't done all that kind of stuff really in my life. But you've probably still had that experience where you tell, no, no, I don't, I don't go places like that. I, you know, I, I, please don't. So they say those kind of jokes around me, or use that kind of language or whatever, and they just look at you like, really? That You're, what? You don't do that? But you know, a lot of times, that's not where it stops. In fact, some might even become hostile against it. You start a new job and somebody offers to go by the bar and buy you a drink on the way home. No, no I, I shouldn't do that. Or well, someone starts telling a joke that you, you, and you walk away. Or maybe you're in a spot where you can't walk away and you stop and say, you know what, we, let's, let's talk about something else. And they don't just give you a weird look. From that point on, they may even actively try to tear you down because of it. He doesn't like, he doesn't like us talking like that around him. So make sure you say whatever as much as you can. Oh, you don't want to drink? Every time seems like you, you're, they show up, they've got, got a beer for you in their hand, or whatever the case may be. Or maybe it's such that, well, we, we don't involve him in anything because he's just we can't really trust him. He doesn't do the stuff we do. Uh, I've, I've been in the construction trades my entire adult life, and I don't know how many guys I've heard say, well, I don't trust a guy who doesn't cuss. I, I, you just can't trust somebody like that. Those kinds of things. And the list could go on. Probably some in this room have been the person that got blamed for everything, even though they're just trying to live righteously. But because they were living righteously, those who are not become hostile and violent maybe even towards them. But when Christ moves in and transforms a person, it will put sinners on the offensive. But, he says in verse 5, even though they may speak evil of you, even though, of course, as we talked about in the last chapter, it may go so far as physical pers- pardon me, persecution or something like that, those people who do that shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead. Don't be alarmed. This should be expected. And just like those who follow Christ will be vindicated in that day, So too, those who refuse Christ, those who oppose His followers, will face judgment. That may not necessarily make it any easier to bear on this earth. Uh, I, I don't know that He's telling this so that we would take joy and one day they'll get theirs. But simply knowing that we can trust Christ, that one day, no matter what happens on this earth, those who follow Christ will be vindicated. God takes special concern for His children who are enduring trial and persecution. And just as surely as He will vindicate the saved in that day, He will judge the lost, and they will be found wanting. So He says in verse 6, For this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the Spirit. And you might say, what cause... What what exactly is the cause that he's talking about there? Well, in the previous verse, he's talking about the judgment. uh, That that those who uh, refuse to trust Christ, those who are opposed to Christ's working in this world, will be judged. And that's the reason that the gospel is preached. We won't take the time to go to other passages in the Bible that make it clear. Every person will give an account of their lives to God. I'm not going to belabor that. Certainly that's been preached in this pulpit before. And we, I think this crowd mostly would recognize that the judgment day will come and every person will give an account to their Creator. It's a universal truth. I mean, a basic tenet of Christianity. You will stand before your Creator one day. And because of that, the gospel must be preached. But notice he says, for, for this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead. Now there's a couple different views of this phrase. Of course, uh, those views would tie into the previous chapter. And if you remember from a couple of weeks ago, we talked about Christ's journey uh, after his uh, death and burial and before his resurrection, how that he uh, proclaimed victory over death, hell, and the grave, and he led captivity captive, and all of that. And so, you know, you might say that well, the, once again, this shows Christ preaching the gospel to the the dead souls and and even the the uh, uh, the evil spirits and all that on his journey after the cross. But if you'll remember from the last message, uh, I made comment that while there certainly would have been elements of the gospel involved in his in this proclamation. Those who are dead no longer have a chance to repent. Uh, Pardon me. Remember Hebrews 9.27? And it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this the judgment. Those Old Testament saints even that Christ brought out of captivity had already trusted in Christ. You see, because remember, salvation has always been the same throughout all of time. And really, ultimately, it boils down to taking God at His word. Uh, The Bible says that Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. And so I don't believe there was a a necessity that Christ would go to these uh, saints and specifically preach the gospel, that they would accept it. Rather, they had already taken God at His word. They were already justified in God's sight. So what what does he mean, preaching the gospel uh, for this cause, was the gospel preached also to them that that are dead? And another view would say that, well, this would have to do with uh, uh, you know, talking about the gospel was preached and you know, these uh, saints enduring their own persecution. Of course, some had, had even been killed because of this persecution. And so the ones who were left were kind of wondering that, uh, you know, what happened to those who, who had already been killed under this persecution. But again, I don't, I don't really think that that's the correct view because there really is no indication in this passage, unlike, say, 1 Thessalonians, uh, that those who had uh, died, uh, that they really had much concern for those who had died because they knew, and, and it's been uh, talked about throughout this epistle, that uh, they are in Christ, and so they knew where they would go when they died. So what really is the, the point of this? Well, I think ultimately the point is, and, and really however you look at it, Uh, The point is that the gospel needs to be preached because people need to hear it. Peter has been encouraging them throughout this epistle that suffering, even to death, is worth it for Christ's sake. Uh, No matter how you look at it, the outcome really is the same. The gospel, as the timeless truth of God's word, has been available to all for all time. It has been preached from the very beginning when God proclaimed to Adam and Eve that the promised seed would conquer sin and Satan. This is why the gospel must be preached. This is why you're expected to be a witness of the gospel even in suffering and persecution because people need to hear. Because like we saw last time, Christ brought reconciliation to fallen man and it is available to all. And it's not just up to the men that are preaching from the pulpit to proclaim it. It's up to, up to all those who have trusted in Christ to proclaim the gospel. And I love there at the... ...but live according to God in the Spirit. While we are bound by this flesh so long as we are on this earth... Uh, We are bound to be judged according to man in this flesh, but we can live according to God in the Spirit. Uh, If you've trusted in Christ, you've been given a freedom that sinful flesh cannot truly comprehend. Uh, You might be condemned by those who are bound by sin, but sin no longer has dominion over you. Uh, Sin no longer controls your actions, so live like it. Uh, That we can live how God expects us to live not through our own strength not through our own power not through our own uh, pulling, up, <coughs> pardon me, pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps but rather the simple uh, realization that Christ conquered sin, death, hell and the grave and I can trust Him for the rest of my life through it and even when sufferings come, even when persecutions abound, no matter how bad they may be Christ, who is the one who suffered the just for the unjust, will give us the strength to not just bear up under it, but to be joyful under it, to be a witness under it, to to realize that we are blessed with the knowledge that we will be vindicated in that day, and it will all be worth it. So live like it. Lord, thank you so much for your grace. Thank you for this time together.